So you have gone to many places this week. You've gone to the office for work. Raise your hand if you've gone to the office for work this week. All right, 12 of you. You, you, you've gone to a restaurant. How many of you have gone to a restaurant for a meal? You've eaten somewhere out this week. Yeah, you, you've, uh, you've gone to the gym for exercise. Raise it up. Who's gone to the gym for exercise? Yeah. And after all that, you, you find yourselves here in preparation for doing many of those things again for another week. There's something different about the church, I think, than many of the other places that you regularly go during the week. And The church is a place where you can be honest about how you are doing. So no doubt some of you this week, or most of you, had somebody ask you, how are you doing? How's it going? What's up? And what you know and I know is that not every person that asks you how you're doing really wants to hear how you're doing. And so oftentimes what we say are things like, fine, good, I'm okay. And, and this is a part of life. I mean, can you imagine going around and every time somebody asks you how you're doing, you said, okay, let me tell you, let's sit down. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about my marriage? Because it's struggling. You want to talk about my work life? It's going really, really well. And, you know, I mean, it would be a long conversation every time you had the question asked of you. But the church is a place where I want you to know that you can be honest with God about how you're doing. And you can be and should be able to be honest with others on how you're doing. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing? I don't have time to listen, but I do want to talk to you about God who does have time to listen to you today. Walter Brueggemann is a 20th century Old Testament scholar, one of the world-renowned Old Testament scholars, suggests that human beings regularly find themselves in one of three places. Maybe these would describe the answer to the question, how are you doing? You're in a place of orientation, which means you're thriving. Everything makes sense in your life. You feel like things are in order. You're not aware of any tension that needs to be resolved. I wonder how many of you are in that place this morning. Another place that you might find yourself is a place of disorientation, or we'll use the word you're barely surviving. There's stress. You might be disoriented by something out of your control or by your own poor choices. You're in a pit. It can be difficult to pray during these seasons of life, and If you're suffering, you might be angry at God, which would prevent you from wanting to be able to pray. And if you're sinning, you might feel too ashamed to go to God in prayer. Maybe you're in a place of orientation. You're thriving. Maybe you're in a place of disorientation. You're surviving. Or maybe you're in a place of reorientation, as Brueggemann would would categorize for this conversation. You're, You're reviving. You're in a place in which you realize that God has lifted you out of the pit, and you're entering a new place full of gratitude and awareness about your life and about God. So these three categories, I put them before you. They're cycles that all of us go through in life. Sometimes we get to a place where if we're just surviving, we're in the pit, we're struggling, we think, oh, what's wrong with me? I need to to figure this out. But, you know, there's interesting... uh, It's interesting to consider the fact that all of us go through these cycles of thriving surviving and reviving. It's a part of life. And sometimes we might be thriving in a marriage and surviving at work. We might be surviving at work, but, but thriving uh, in, our, in our free time or with our health. And so there are cycles that we all go through. And I put these ideas before you because what I want you to know is that in whatever place you find yourself, you can make prayer a regular part of your life. 
in whatever place you find yourself, this is the main idea, write it down, this is the, the pole that we're tethering around this morning. Whatever place you find yourself, you can make prayer a regular part of your life. When things are great, when you're thriving, pray. When things are not great, when you're surviving, pray. When things are improving, when you're reviving, pray. Last week I taught you Luke chapter 11, and we found this incredible passage where it says, And I, being Jesus, tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. I mean, that is a mind-boggling passage. The words of Jesus, where he is saying, what, when you need something, or when you're great, not great, improving, when you're thriving, surviving, or reviving, you ought to be able to ask God for what you need in that moment. Incredible. But here's a problem. It's a big problem. I've discovered that even if a person wants to pray, maybe some of you do, go, you know, I want to become more of a person of prayer. You are unsure what to say. It can be hard to put into words our feelings. And, and, and talking to God, and let's be honest, especially for those of you that are kind of new-ish to the faith, talking to God can be intimidating, right? But there seems to be in our culture, among you and in our culture, a, a raised level of interest in our, in our prayer, in prayer. And I think the reason for that has some to do with the fact that people are realizing more and more that even with all of our intellect, even with all of our learnings, even with all of our technology, we still need help from God. There's this interesting area of study called culturomics. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of culturomics. It's an analysis of all digitized text. And so what Culturomics does is it studies all digitized text, everything from books to news transcripts to now what's being blogged about and tweeted about. And, and it's a study of all this text. And if you look at this research that's being done based on the results of this study between 1800 to 2018, we can learn a lot about human culture. And what's really interesting is if you do a quick search on the word pray or prayer, that it's kind of hard to see the numbers. But right here is 1940 into the 60s. So this is post-World War II. This is an area of, you know, self-reliance and liberality. And then we get into moving into the 21st century. And then we go up to 2018. And what you see here is a trend of renewed interest in prayer, in praying. Now that to me is quite interesting, and it begs the question, well, what are people, who are people praying to? What are they saying in prayer? And maybe you're there thinking to yourself, you know, I want to be more of a person of prayer, but I don't know what to say. Well, I, I want to tell you today that you can learn the language of prayer. The guide's provided for us by God in the Bible. Teach us to pray. You see, it's by immersion in the language of the Bible that we learn to pray, and, and it happens perhaps as slowly as a child learns to speak. You know, my children, whenever they were young and before they were able to speak, they began learning language by hearing me say the words to them, Right? And so I taught them words to speak, and they didn't figure it out 
all right away. They just had a few words early. Like basketball. I mean, the first word. Houston Astros. You know, things, important things. No, but they, they learned the words, and you all would know that too. When you were a child, you didn't, you didn't learn how to talk to your parents or talk to other people with complexity right away, did you? No, but as you were immersed in the language of the people around you, you learned how to pray or learn how to talk to those people that are around you in a way that they would understand. And this is how it works in prayer to God, is we immerse ourselves in the language of God, the language of Scripture, and it teaches us how to pray to God. You see, the problem becomes when we ever have a Bible here and we separate ourselves out over here and we say, okay, I'm going to pray, talk to God, and you rely on, on, on something other than the language of God, and, and certainly God hears your prayers, and we can talk, it's a whole other conversation, but what I'm saying to you today is that the language of the Bible gives us the words to pray. And today I want to direct your attention to the words in the book of Psalms. You see, the Psalms reveal a great range in the modes of prayer, the language of prayer. They include exclamations of wonder, virulent complaints, reasoned arguments, pronouncements and verdicts, appeals and requests, summons and calls, and verdicts of self-condemnation. They represent not only radically different types of discourse, but of attitudes and emotions as well. Do you know that in the book of Psalms, there is a prayer no matter where you find yourself. You find yourself thriving, there's a prayer. You find yourself surviving, there's a prayer. If you find yourself reviving, there's a prayer. You see, the Psalms show mankind how to speak back to God. And you'll find people in all three categories. I've heard it said that the 150 Psalms that are in the Bible are a comprehensive gymnasium of prayer. John Calvin described the Psalms as an anatomy of the soul, which is oftentimes where the richest, most meaningful prayers come from, our souls. You know, in my own life, if I'm either too tired to know what to say to God or feeling insecure, feeling beat down, feeling too unfocused to pray, which happens quite often, I find it quite helpful to go to the psalm of the day. So today would be Psalm 21. And sometimes it just gives words to me as I'm trying to pray to God and talk to God. But today what I want to do, with all of that said, is to help you to see how in the book of Psalms, this is more of like an introduction or trying to kind of push you out into the language of prayer. I want to show you from the book of Psalms parts of three psalms that are the words of people that find themselves in the three different places, a place of thriving, a place of surviving, and a place of reviving. Wherever you find yourself, I hope that these words help you talk to God. First of all, a place of thriving. Do you find yourself there? You're feeling good? Praise comes easily? You want somebody to ask you how you're doing because you're ready just to say, you know what, I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. My marriage is flourishing, or my job is going really well, or I'm feeling really good about my health. I mean, I'm... I'm you should have seen what I did in the gym this week, or my relationships are really going well. Maybe you are here today, and the place that you are is you're like, man, things are going great. I'm really, really cruising along quite nicely. In Psalm chapter 145, David praised God for his mighty acts, which are told from one generation to another. 
for his gracious provision of an everlasting kingdom and for the manner in which he responds to those who love him. Let's just read a few verses out of the book of Psalms. And, and I want to put this before you in hopes that you will begin to learn even more the language of prayer. Psalm chapter 145, by, the, by David. He says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Have you ever felt like that? You're like, man, these things are going so, man, God, you are awesome. You are doing it forever and ever. I'm going to bless you and praise you, and it is on. And people around you are like, man, I don't know what you're on, what kind of drug or where you're getting your caffeine, but give me some of that. But David here is feeling good. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. God, you are so great. You are so awesome. I see you working. I see your power. You're, you're so great, and I can see it, but your greatness is unsearchable. And then we can skip down to the, the last verse there, verse 21. My mouth will speak the, <coughs> excuse me, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Not only is David praying to God and, and worshiping God and telling God, God, things are awesome. Thank you for this season that I'm in. And if you know anything about David, he went through some tough seasons. He went some, through some really good seasons where he saw God working in amazing ways, but he also went some, through some very difficult seasons. There are psalms where he's saying, God, things aren't so good. My enemies are pressing in on me, and I would like to kill them, or please would you kill them? But right here, let's just enjoy this. Let's don't move on yet. He's, he's thriving. God, I praise you. I thank you. It's a prayer of thanks. Here's what happens sometimes when things are going well for us when we're thriving. We forget to talk to God. Do you do that? I do. Things are going good, and it's kind of like we feel like, well, it should be. I'm awesome, so things ought to be going awesome. It's what you expect, and sometimes what we do is forget to express gratitude to God for the areas of our life where things are going well. If your marriage is going well, thank God, praise God, pray to Him, be grateful for it. If things at your job are going well, you ought to be praising him and thanking him. Because if not for God, then that would not be going good in your life. If your health is good, if your finances are good, if your relationships are good, how often do you stop and just spend time praying, praying, God, I thank you. I want to express gratitude to you for the way that you are allowing me to thrive in these areas. In my experience, we tend to forget this. And expressing gratitude to God will be good for your health. There's interesting research that's being done in this area of gratitude, which helps us to understand this point. Professor and researcher Robert E. Emmons puts it this way. Clinical trials indicate that the practice of gratitude can have dramatic and lasting effect in a person's life. It can lower blood pressure, improve immune function, and facilitate more efficient sleep. Let me be honest with you about something. Recently, I've been struggling in some areas, areas that I consider to be where I'm surviving. And God impressed something on my heart where he said, I want for you to just begin calling out to me the areas of your life that are going well. And it was a long list. My marriage is great. 
I love my wife, and she loves me, and we're not always thriving. Sometimes we're surviving. Can I get an amen for those of you that are married? Sometimes we're reviving, but right now we're thriving. My wife thinks that I'm smoking hot. This morning I left the house. She spoke a blessing over me and said, I can't wait till you get home, baby. And I know that's a good blessing. I'm not, I'm not always like that, but how many of you have good things going on in your life, but all you can think about is the bad things? You say, well, I, okay, I want to thank God. What do I say? Go right here, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable because my marriage is going well. My job is going well. My my, my parenting, for whatever reason, happens to be working, or, I, you know, I, I'm dating somebody that I really, really like, or I'm in a residency in medical school that, you know what, I'm surviving, you know, I'm, you know, which would be considered thriving if you're surviving in medical school, you know what I'm saying? If you're surviving, then you are, in fact, thriving. Can I get an amen from the medical students? All right. So where are you, what are you praying to God or saying to God? You say, I don't know what to say. There you go. What about if you're surviving? What about if you feel like you're in a pit? Now, here we have the words in this psalm of a person desperate for God to do something different. Recently, I was talking to a friend of mine who's not a Christian, and he's really struggling. For his entire life, he's relied on his own intellect, his people skills, and his self-determination to make things happen and to find happiness. But it's failing him, as it always does. His situation is rough. He's down in the dumps. And he said, hey, can we talk? And I said, absolutely. You know, what, what can I do? He said, I just don't know what to do. I said, let me tell you, I'm not sure what you should do either. And I don't have a lot of advice other than this. Pray to God. He said, pray to God? Like, wh- what am I supposed to say? You ever felt like that? You've been in a bad situation. You know something different needs to happen. And you just don't even know what to say to God? I've been there. I directed him to the words of the psalmist. And here in Psalm chapter 88, it's been called one of the saddest psalms in the entire collection of 150. So the tone changes here. We went from thriving to now we're surviving. This psalm voices the diligent prayer of one who's suffering constantly. And he's lamenting the terrible and fierce affliction that has brought him to the point of death. Here's what he says in this psalm. He says, I basically am dead, but I don't want to die because dead people don't get to praise you. He's appealing to God. Here, listen to these words. Feel the weight of them. Some of you easily feel the weight of them because in an area of your life, you feel like you're just surviving. Oh, Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. In other words, I'm dead. I am a man who has no strength. Like one 
set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those who remember who you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You ever felt like that? What do you say to God when things aren't going so well? You're in a pit. Maybe something outside of you has occurred that's affecting you, causing you to feel like you're overwhelmed and struggling. Maybe it's a difficult work situation that to you feels like you're being pushed to the point of death. Maybe it's a relational issue. You try to figure it out on your own. You try to gain ground in that situation, but just, it's just not working. What do you say to God? You know, one of the most beautiful things about the Bible that I think is hidden from people that are outside the church is the Bible is raw. The words of these psalmists, he's saying to God, God, your wrath is pressing onto me. I feel like I'm dying. Why don't you do anything, God? I feel like I'm being slain, and this has gone on for a long time. My soul is full of troubles. You see, it's important for us to understand as we're trying to discover who is God and who are we and what does it mean to, to follow uh, Jesus, it's important to understand that God knows that things aren't always in a place where they can be described as thriving. And God wants you to talk to him there. God wants you to talk to him there. And you say, well, what do I say? Here are some words that you can say. You can be honest with God in prayer. You can tell him the good things and bad things. You know, there have been times where I felt so heartbroken in prayer that I have used language that is so strong that when I was growing up, I thought, there's no way I would ever say that to God. He struck me down. But I've just gotten to a place in my own life where I'm like, you know what, God? You know my heart. I'm just going to be honest with you. Things aren't going so good in this area. I'm hurting in this area. Some of you are so intimidated to pray because you're afraid that God can't take it. What you got? He can. Be honest with him. He can handle it. My friend who asked me what he was supposed to do, and I encouraged him to pray. You know what he said to me? He said, I'm afraid that if I talk to God that he'll talk back. And I said, you know what? He will, and he has, and it's the Bible. And when you are in the pit, God knows. He cares. If your marriage is struggling, He knows He cares. If your job is struggling, He knows He cares. If you've given in to temptation, and it's basically been by your choice that you're now in a pit, He knows and He cares. You say, I can't go to God with that. I'm struggling with sexual sin or some kind of addiction or pride, whatever it may be. And you say, see, I, I mean, that's my own choice. I'm not going to put that on God. You know, he knows. One of the most potent psalms 
in all 150 is Psalm 51, where King David is repenting to God for an affair that he had. And he's telling God, God, I, I need you. Create in me a clean heart. God knows. If you're surviving, you can pray to him. Just like this psalmist did. Jesus prayed. You know, Jesus prayed a lot, and in particular at every major crisis point in his life. He prayed at his baptism, when he chose the disciples. He often prayed alone, but he also prayed with others around. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane before his betrayal. And you know what? Jesus even prayed on the cross. He prayed in every kind of place. You can too. See, what begins to happen in us as we begin to learn that we can call out to God, whether we're thriving or surviving, is that we uh, begin to recognize times or seasons where we're in the place where we're reviving. You see, you may not be thriving, and you may not feel like you're in the pit. You may feel like you're, you're on the way to thriving, and that is the place of reviving. Now, this is a really great place to be. It, it's, it's the prayer of a person who's been lifted out of the pit. Some of you know that. Some of you can think of a time in your life where you're in the pit, and you're being lifted out of the pit. And you know that God's doing something new in your life. There's a new season in your life. It's like a springtime. There's new growth. So here in Psalm chapter 40, just the first few verses, God did something for David after a long period of prayerful, patient waiting. Sometimes you're surviving and you feel like you're there for a while. But you know, in the right time, there will be a place of reviving. And the psalmist David has a new prayer of rejoicing. Psalm chapter 40, first few verses. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. When did he wait patiently for the Lord? When he was surviving, when he was in the pit, when he was struggling, when his enemies pressed in on him, when he was suffering from his own sin. And in the midst of that mess, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps, in, my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. You ever been there? You're like, yesterday wasn't so good, but today I feel like things are changing. There's a new thing. You know what? That's a place where we ought to pray. God, thank you. Yesterday, things weren't so good, but today, things are getting better. And I just want to stop and say, thank you. I pray to you, and I pray that we'd be getting, I'd, I'd experience more of this reviving in my work or relationships or in schooling or whatever it is that you're finding yourself in. You see, all of life, and sometimes different areas of our life are in different places here, will go through these cycles of thriving, surviving, and reviving. And in whatever place you find yourself, you can make prayer a regular part of your life. We began this year talking about prayer. And I know how sermon series go. Sermon series go like this. We, we say we're going to talk about this for a few weeks, and then everybody says, hey, that was good, and then sometimes we kind of move on to the next thing. Here's what we're not going to move on from this year, prayer. <laughs> and, and we as a church are, I think, quite diligent in prayer. But what we're going to do is this. God, there are going to be times this year as individuals we're going to be thriving and we're going to pray. There are going to be times this year that we as a church are going to be 
thriving, and we're going to pray. There are going to be times that we as individuals are surviving, and we're struggling, and, and we're in the pit, and we're going to pray. As a church, we're in a pit, we're going to pray. There's going to be times when we as individuals are going to be reviving. We're going to see that, hey, there's new life, there's new birth, it's a springtime for us. We're going to pray. That's who we are as a church. And if you're here and you're an unbeliever, you have not yet crossed over the line of faith, let me challenge you in this way. Would you read the Bible and pray? And, and you say, well, I don't believe any of this. And that, you know, you, that's your right. I, I can't force you to believe it. And so what I would say is this. If it's not true, if this idea of having conversation with God in learning the language of the Bible that talk to God is not true, then all you've done is read words from the most widely circulated book in all of history, which, I mean, if it's not true, it wouldn't be a terrible thing, right? There's some good stuff in there. And you spend a few minutes talking to air if you don't think that God hears your prayers. But if it is true, you know what? You will meet God face to face, and it'll change your life. It'll give you a new perspective, Things will be different. You'll show up in your marriage differently. You'll show up in your job differently. You'll be able to forgive the people in your life that you have had such a difficult time forgiving because you will understand that God forgives you in spite of you. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. Can I get an amen up in this place? That is the gospel. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not a, if you're not a believer yet, then, then just read the Bible. Say, okay, what do you want me to read? Well, today's uh, uh, the 21st. Read Psalm 21. Tomorrow, read Psalm 22. Who knows? God may, I don't even know what those say. Go in there, read them. And who knows? God may give you the words that you've been trying to find to talk to him in a real way. If you're a believer, where are you? Where, what place do you find yourself in? Are you thriving? Reviving? You surviving? Let me challenge you to pray. No matter where you find yourself, you can pray. Immerse yourself in the language of the Bible. And this is a good environment to be introduced to this way of immersing yourself in the language of the Bible. But an even better place to do that is to get in on a loop group, which is one of our midweek groups. We have them that meet Sunday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Or, and, and, or, take advantage of these fit groups that Andrew's been talking about, where you can sit knee to knee with ladies, another woman or two, and you can be encouraged and prayed for and open the scriptures and learn the language of prayer. You will find hope and peace and answers. So that as you're going through this cycle of thriving, surviving, reviving, which is just a part of life that you'll always go through, and you're no less loved by God when you're surviving or reviving than when you're thriving. That's an important point. That's a part of life. You will experience the peace of life with Jesus Christ in a powerful way. And you will be even more motivated to invite others in because it will be transforming your life. Next Sunday is what we're calling Vision Sunday. We have it the last Sunday of January. We've done it for six years now, and we're about to be seven years old. Our church is seven years old. Was that Andrew? Yeah, thank you, buddy. Um, <laughs> boom, right there. Um, 
which is incredible, by the way. You may be new to this area, but church planters come in this area to die, not to plant churches that last seven years. And there have been a few moments where I wish I were dead, but I am still alive. Here we are seven years in, and we're asking God, God, what are you doing in our church, and where are you sending us? And we have gathered a team of people together, leaders from among us, men and women, young and old, and we've discerned what we feel like is the one thing that we're going to ask God for this year as a goal. And let me just give you a taste of it. It's going to relate to prayer. We as a church are going to follow up on 10,000 prayer requests this year. That's our one-year goal. It was 1,000, but I left the meeting hearing the word 1,000, and if I'm you sitting in the audience and I hear 1,000, I thought, well, we've got good staff. They can handle 1,000. Way to go. But 10,000 is going to require all of us to work together. And so we're going to talk more about that next week, but we as a church are asking God to do something different in our lives and in our community, which is why we're here We're not just here to do another church service. We're in this community because we care about seeing the gospel pressed into the dark places in this neighborhood and the communities around us. This is what we care about. This is what we're doing. This is what you are giving your lives to as a mission partner. And so it's great if you like the music and you like the preaching and all of that. I hope so. But all of that is to is to link you in to this mission where we're seeing God work through us to establish his kingdom more fully in the center of this great city. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. And I don't know about you, but I know this. God has got to do something in us that is supernatural. And the only way I know to access the supernatural power of God, the, my role is to pray. And so that's what we're going to do. All right? So let's think on and pray about these things. God Almighty, we love you, and your word has spoken today. God, we're, some of us in, are thriving. We praise you. We thank you. You're great. Your greatness is unsearchable. Some of us have areas of our life where we're surviving. We feel like we're in a pit. We feel like your wrath is pressing in on us, that we're near death, God. And I just want to ask God for you to do something in those areas of our life, to move us to a place of reviving. Or we can see that we were in a pit, but now we're being renewed. There's new growth and it's springtime in our hearts. And for those that are here, God, that have not yet crossed the line of faith, God, I want to ask you to do what I could never do with intellect, with persuasive words, with strong speech. And that is to remove the veil from their hearts and their minds so that they will trust Jesus as Lord of their life. And God, for those that are scared giving control to you. I pray, God, that you would just remind them that your greatness is unsearchable. There's no need to be afraid of a relationship with you. God, and I just pray this in the power, in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior.